Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And it's Nasty November month again. Yes, the month where we discuss Janet Jackson's seminal album. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if only, if only. Um, do you, um, for our new listeners, and for today's guest, would you like to explain what the video Nasty is just in case no one's ever heard of them? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it brief because Google is our friend. But um, the video nasties essentially were a quite a large list of films that were banned here in the UK during the 1980s, particularly on VHS, on home media. Um, big furore in the media and politicians became involved. And the idea was that these films were so disgusting that they could have an effect on the normal general public to go out and start killing each other in the ways that they've seen and their dogs and their dogs and their dogs yes there was one politician forgive me i don't remember his name i don't wish Good. to remember his name uh <laughs> tory uh he suggested that these films could have an effect on people's dogs yes <laughs> Uh, this month, uh, specifically this year, uh, for Vi- Nasty November, we're focusing on the Section 3 video nasties. Uh, so these are films that could not be prosecuted for obscenity, but were liable to seizure and confiscation under a less obscene charge. And for our first episode, we're actually bringing someone in from across the pond to discuss a video nasty. Yeah. This is the first, isn't it, for Nasty November? That is, yeah, yeah. it is actually, yes. I'm very interested to get his take on it. Uh, we is a returning guest who we previously discussed Rope with, and we've discussed various trash to pieces with on his musical podcast uh, previously. It's John from Life's But A Song. Hi! Back. Thank you. I'm still a little confused as to why they're called, why these movies, because you sent me a list of like different lists actually of what is a video nasty. Yeah. And it seems like it's just low budget horror movies. Yeah, basically a lot of them, I think it was a case of they looked at the artwork or they looked at the title of the film and assumed that it was way worse than it actually is because a lot of them are actually really tame. Which is why it surprises me that today's film is on the Section 3 list. Because compared to some of the other films that were prosecuted, this is a little more extreme in some scenes. Um, yeah, I would agree to a certain extent. There were many themes that they particularly hated. Yeah. The idea of sex and violence together yeah. at any point um, really got their backs up. The... A lot of it was the low-budget stuff because you had mainstream films that right. got away scot-free, like yeah. perfectly fine, but these low-budget horror films that no one would actually have probably gone out of their way to watch <laughs> if it wasn't for them being on this list. They're the ones that were targeted the most because obviously they didn't have big studios behind them saying, uh, no, you're not going to cut our film. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, we're not having that. So it, it's um, and it, it, there is a lot of shite on there, like really, really crude yeah, films. The, like one of the ones, one uh, one of the movies you sent me is Friday the Thirteenth, and I was like, why is this on here? Mm, yeah, 
Yeah. Did you? Uh, so, do you have a favorite video, Nasty, from the list I sent you? Um, there's a few really great ones on here, but you know what? I'm gonna have to give it to Suspiria. Yeah, that's that is a great choice. Just because it was it, it's amazing. You have a great soundtrack by Goblin. Um, I believe yes, that's the band name. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And like the colors and everything in that movie, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> no, we no. we are here today to talk about Alice, Sweet Alice from 1976, which is written and directed by Alfred Soul. And uh, he made Deep Sleep, a porn film, Tanya's Island, uh, Pandemonium, and Cheeseball Presents. But is also the production designer on Halloween Town, Halloween Town High, Hatching Pete, S. Darko. Yes, the, the cursed S. Darko. We don't talk about <laughs> Slammed, These Old Broads, yes. Wishmaster 2, another film we don't talk about, yeah. Night of the Running Man, and more. We do talk about these old boards. We do, yeah. Um, so before we get started, I made a mistake <laughs> making this. I thought it was the Donald Sutherland movie, Don't Look Now. <laughs> I see. Because, well, so I was reading about it, and, and obviously after watching it, they used the same outfit for the killer. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, where's Donald Sutherland? What's going on? He's, yeah. he's one for that section, hey, I know you. Like, <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, I was going to say, actually, how did you know about this film? But that definitely explains it. I mean, yeah. for me, I uh, the first time I heard of it was it was on Bravo's uh, The 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Yes. No, yeah. Yeah, I heard of it from there. But I was think I was expecting the other the other one the previous film the yeah yeah so but you know this one pleasantly surprised me I'm not gonna lie I yeah. bought it I bought it on Prime for five dollars so whatever <laughs> I have to say John I was thinking if there were any musicals that were part of the Video Nasties list but there weren't no so Interesting fact, though, they did try to prosecute. Um, oh, what's the um, oh, what's it called? Oh, the best little whorehouse, best little in, whorehouse Texas. in Texas. Yeah. They did try and ban that because they obviously whorehouse. Um, <laughs> and all, there all, is. The, all the the non sex that happens in that movie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd have loved for that to have been on the list so we could have had a chance to talk about it, but... yeah, but it's it sort of. <laughs> It's indicative of how they looked at a lot of yeah. these films. It was just one word or... Yeah. So they didn't watch any of the films? Not really. No. No. <laughs> I mean, I can... Un After you're describing it, I can understand why this one's on there too because of, like, the religious aspect. Yeah. And we can mm. we, we can make the argument that that was the case um, because, you know, they didn't want religion to look bad in anyone's eyes. Uh, but this movie is not that terrible there's only like really one scene like like one or two scenes where you where you see people get stabbed but that's it <laughs> yeah i mean in comparison to some of the other ones i mean some of the other ones you don't even see a thing and they created when it was taken to court they created a show reel of all the nastiest moments in these films which mm. is hilarious because a lot of them 
they actually showed the best scenes and the rest of it is really the rest of the other films are really boring <laughs> yeah. so because i mean there's something like uh the witch who came from the sea is always my go-to example and i don't think this is a bad film i think it's a fantastic film but there is one scene in there where someone has sex and then someone dies immediately after and that is the only reason it's on there. And everything else is actually a slow-burning, character-driven piece. So it's like, why was this oh. banned? <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah. This this movie was interesting, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's co-written by Rosemary uh, Ritvo, and this is her only film. We always love a bit of uh, women in horror on this podcast. Certainly do. Uh, made on a budget of $340,000, and it, I have no idea how much it made because that information is not on the internet. But I can tell you this. The Columbia Pictures Studio uh, were set to release the film under the title of Communion, uh-huh. but allegedly pulled out for legal reasons when Allied Artists Pictures picked up for distribution in America and Canada. Director Alfred Soule demanded a title change so that the audience wouldn't think it was seen in a religious film. The novelization retains the film's original title of Communion, and I believe it was also called Holy Terror. Yeah, so it had a few re-releases after Brooke Shields got famous. So after Pretty Baby made her quite a big star, it was re-released in its uncut form as Alice Sweet Alice, which is how we know it and how we've always kind of known it. But the version that we watched, although uncut, was actually called Holy Terror. And that was a retitle in 1981 after Brooke Shields became even more famous Mm -hmm. after the Blue Lagoon. And the version that we watched and the trailer as well puts Brooke Shields Pretty much at the forefront. Yeah. It's like she's, starring Brooke Shields. She's <laughs> only in like what five minutes of the first yeah, five minutes yes. of the movie? It's yes. interesting because I mean it's kind of the Janet Lee and Psycho effect, but only from a 2023 perspective. Because mm-hmm. we know who Brooke Shields is. So when she gets got early on, it's kind of like, oh my god, wow, Brooke Shields is dead already. But at the time, this is her first film. No one knew who she was. So I mean, it's kind of a twist killing a kid off so early, but I think I, the intention was to make us all think that Alice. Shields was playing Alice. Yeah, yeah. And then you watch the film and realize that, <laughs> that no, Alice She's is playing the annoying bratty sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the film is considered a contemporary classic of the slasher subgenre in critical circles. Uh, personally, this is the fine line between giallo and slasher. I kind of class it as both because of that fine line. I think because this sort of predates Halloween and to a certain extent Black Christmas, I think this is the epitome of an American giallo film. Yeah. I feel like the influence and the influences for slasher films definitely comes from giallo. But I feel like maybe more than any other American slasher film, what we would now mm. call a slasher film this feels the most like a real giallo yeah it really it's... it it could have had give it a bad dub and i, I would yeah. have thought it was an italian production i i was gonna say the same thing it felt like it was an italian film, or like you know um uh, 
some weird German or something like European film. Yeah, absolutely. But like to realize, oh, you're set in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like it's in Italy. It, it looks like, but that's what Italians did. Yeah, they yeah. they would film it in Italy. Yeah, but then say this is New York. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and now we film in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> in costs. Um, it's also been the focus of scholarship in the areas of horror film studies, particularly regarding its depictions of Roman Catholicism, child emotional neglect, and the disintegration of the American nuclear family. And it was also very controversial in Ireland because of the anti-Catholic religious themes and story elements. And it's a really interesting side to it that I've never really thought too much about until I analyzed it for the podcast. And I'm like, well, this, this actually does have some really interesting themes and messages in there. And yeah, and a lot of films. Yeah, I, I think it's become maybe a little bit of a cliche now. Yeah. The religious side of these mm. sort of films. But this is 1976. So yeah. it would have felt quite fresh back then and startling and be like, oh, you know, this, True. this isn't painting. Catholicism in the best no. light. And and also watching it in 2023, like we went through the 90s where uh, uh, religious horror was a thing uh, or yeah. all, all horror had a religious um, side to it in the 90s for whatever reason. So this is like, though, yes, it's fresh for the time for me. I'm just like, oh, another religious slog. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those films, and I think it goes for the acting as well as the themes, is where you have to kind of put yourself in 1976. Uh, because some of the acting, and as much as I think this is a great film, some of the acting is uh, laughable at times. There was uh, acting? Which, there was yeah, acting. exactly. <laughs> which brings me on to our next category, which is? Which is the section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Um. And I assumed you would have lasted longer in this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll get to that one in a second. First, we have Linda Miller as Catherine Spakes. Now, she was in the classic 17 Again, <laughs> Law and Order, Night of the Juggler, Gossiping Grams, Black Tie Nights, The Claim, Dark Romances Volume 2, Freddy's Nightmares, and more. I've TV never series? seen 17. The TV again. series, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, one thing about uh, Linda Miller is that she knows how to serve a look. Um, I'm assuming Linda Miller was some model before starring in film. She's a model she was, actress. She was the mom? She yeah. She was the mom, yeah. So, yeah. so okay, full d disclaimer as well. We're going to say, you're going to say character names and I'm going to be very confused. So <laughs> I need a... <laughs> I need a little bit of a descriptor. So the mom, yeah, the mom had, if it, it was, it was a little fashionista. She had like a great quaff to her and everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can see like her kids are also cute. So I was like, that makes sense that they have great genes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's fitting that she plays a mother because she is mothering throughout this entire film. Um, and speaking of, Mildred Clinton plays Mrs. Tredoni, the uh, big reveal Mrs. Tredoni. Uh-huh, yes. 
Oh no, that's uh, the star... one name I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the star of Serpico, Summer of Sam, Bamboozled, Crooklyn, Seize the Day, The Doctors, A New Leaf, The Edge of Night, and more. So she actually worked with Spike Lee for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that accent. Yeah. Do we think it's real or no, not? Absolutely not. <laughs> she was trying something. She made a choice. Her name is Mildred Clinton, and she's Claire, which doesn't sound like the most Italian name, um, but it could have been by marriage, the surname Clinton. Um, but she seems to be playing Italians throughout her filmography. Yeah. So I don't know if, I mean, that was her niche, or she was actually Italian. Maybe. The accent seemed... I I I I think the problem is I assumed it was put on because we're looking at a random slasher film yeah. from the nineteenth century. But you're but we're also watching everybody be heightened. Yeah, like, everyone's yeah. at a thousand in this movie. So <laughs> yeah. you're like wacky wild wa- accent. Fine, you make that makes sense. <laughs> the 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 aunt. Um, it, well, when she's in the hospital, I was like, you are milking this every second. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots to say about her. Uh, but she's not in Hey, no, I Know You, though. I don't think she was in much else. Aunt Annie. Yeah. No, she was only in My Mother Was Never a Kid. That is a shame. That is a shame. Which I think was the, looks like an after-school special or, or something. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but who is on Hey, I Know You is Niles McMaster as Dominic Dom Spags, the father. Uh, he was in Bloodsucking Freaks, Barnaby Jones, Windy City, The Baby and the Battleship, Intimate Agony, Lady Blue, and and The Edge of Night. So, again, someone who didn't have a prolific filmography, just in a few things. Yeah. It's fine in this. Who was the, who did he play? The dad. Oh, the dad. Yeah. Oh, you said the father. Yeah. The, there's, oh, for fuck's sake. Confused. Not that kind of father. <laughs> Well, no, you have film. to. Yeah. You have you. We have to be more specific. Yeah, I, yeah. Chris, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm in your corner. I understand. <laughs> um, have you? So, I'm looking at this guy's filmography. Alfonso De Noble, the guy who played the landlord. Have you yeah. seen him in his other two films? We have seen Blood Sucking Freaks. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't like it that much. No. Uh, but no. we haven't seen Night of the Zombies. Because, yeah, he... It, I, I was interested in him because I was just like, what is... Who are you? <laughs> What's going on? And uh, to look up on him, the, the fact that he was a bouncer at a gay club, and I was like, ah, yes, so you are gay. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then also, like, um, unfortunately, he passed away in 1978, so he wasn't able to be in a lot more things but i the other two titles i was like the guy the, you two must have seen at least seen them yeah yeah night of zombies uh, is something we need to watch that's, but that's, Look, uh, yeah blitz looking freaks was, yeah it, yeah it was all right yeah i mean great story of him you know just being randomly picked up at a gay bar and yeah. uh yeah persuaded to play the role so now that makes me question what it was Alfred Soul doing at this gay bar? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, this is a uh, gay director. Would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was the porn film? Was it a gay porn film? That... I, don't, I don't think it was. Deep Sleep. 
Harry has several problems with performing in bed. <laughs> to help cure him of his problem, he decides to seek help from a special doctor. The doctor then sends him to a guru, Maharishi. With all of his students, Harry has several chances to prove that his problems are over. And they're going to suck his dick. Yeah. 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 Oh, so it could be a game. I mean, also. it could be. Yeah. Um, Letterboxd on my iPad has censored. Well, if you go and change poster, poster, you'll be able to see the poster. Would I? Yeah. So, so if I change the poster. <laughs> does that suspense. work on iPads? Um, you, um, it's a cartoon of two people um, shagging in a casket. Yeah. So that doesn't really explain anything. No, it doesn't. Got it. Yeah. It's okay. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and finally, we have Brooke Shields as Karen Spags. And she was, of course, in The Blue Lagoon, Pretty Baby, Wonder Nevada, uh, Endless Love, Scream Queens, The Midnight Meat Train, Hannah Montana, The Movie, Castle for Christmas, and lots more. It's Brooke fucking Shields, everyone. Yes. It is. Yeah. Nothing comes between her and her communion. That's true. <laughs> I had to. I had to. It wasn't the greatest one. I had a few other drafts, and I was like, let's go with this one. <laughs> um, yeah, bro- I mean, Brooke Shields. Isn't yeah. It? It's Brooke Shields. This was her very first film. And you can tell. Um, yeah. But, oh. I have a- so, do we think, though, that, like, we're about to get to talking about the movie, but I want to talk about her character for a hot second. Like, do we think she's supposed to be playing a brat or, and like the mom really doesn't like Alice, which we've kind of established like from the get, but um, Brooke Shields, Karen gets like all the attention and love and everything else from the mom. Or is it like just bad acting or both? (laughs) I think it's just bad acting. I kind of, yeah, I feel like she was meant to be the more sympathetic one, um, actually, out of the two. Um, would you agree? I think it's bickering siblings. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for. Got it. Every every person I've ever known that has had daughters has said, oh, my God, daughters are the worst. When they're growing up, they bicker and they argue and they fight all the time. And I, I don't know if there's a science behind it, but people who've had sort of two sons have said, well, they get on much better. Um, so around this teenage age, you know, one of them's 12 and one of them's, is it nine? Yeah, she's yeah. meant to be. So that sort of child t- getting into teenage age, they bicker and fight so much. So everything is quite true to life how annoying they both are. Yeah. Which is, which is also interesting because, um, uh, what's her name? Who plays Alice? Uh, Paula E. Shepard was actually 19 when they filmed this. Yes, she was. She She certainly was. was, (laughs) It's weird because they're obviously, I think they're shooting to make her look younger, Mm. but there are moments where she looks every second of those 19 years. And then there were other shots where it's like, oh, okay, I'm almost believing 12, <laughs> but her voice is 19. Yeah. Her voice is definitely of a 19-year-old. <laughs> Shall we discuss our future presentation? I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just chat, you know, whatever. Who cares about this movie? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
How's the weather? <laughs> no more dolls, no more toys. Alice only plays with bodies. It's too late to save her. Unnatural love and unnatural death. <laughs> we start with the opening credits, and composer Stephen Lawrence said his inspiration for the film's score, particularly the opening title track, was his imagining of a cloud of bad karma hovering over the setting of New Jersey and uh, raining down upon the city. Um, have you uh, have you witnessed this? Does it feel like? I mean, yes, he got it. He got it. You you step into Jersey and that's what you hear. Just ominous music everywhere. Like a dark cloud over New Jersey. I know. I, I, no, I'm, no, I'm getting Teresa and Caroline. <laughs> I'm getting Danielle Stop vibes from this. I mean, I don't know what part of New Jersey they're supposed to be in. Like Italy, New Jersey. I don't know. Patterson. <laughs> Patterson, New Jersey? Yeah, that... No. That's not what that looks... I mean, you, well, granted, it's also the 60s, even though the movie came out in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. This is a period piece, so I wasn't around in 1960s, so I don't know no. what, that, what <laughs> Patterson, New Jersey looked like. But, like, yeah. This... Yeah. Uh, but Patterson's where um, Dolores is from. And they, they always say, oh, you don't mess with Dolores, she's from Patterson. So I don't know if it's meant to be rough, like a rough area. I mean, you can't, you can't base every area of America on your real housewife's knowledge. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> well, also, you're basing it on a modern reference. Yeah. Mm. We're watching it from the 60s, where, uh, from the 60s eye, where it was a little different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, people are still being murdered there, so... Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. But JFK, so... Yeah. In... Whatever that means. <laughs> In 19... His face just pops up a lot during the film. JFK. I, I think that was just the set decorator being like, we have to show it's the 60s somehow. <laughs> yeah. JFK. JFK. In, uh, in 1961, uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, divorced mother Catherine visits father Tom with her two daughters, nine-year-old Karen and 12-year-old Alice, uh, who both attend St. Michael's Parish Girls School. Karen is preparing for her first communion, and father Tom gives her some of his housekeeper, Mrs. T Mrs. Tredoni's delicious cookies, and his mother's crucifix as a gift. Did anyone want any of Mrs. Tredoni's delicious cookies? Absolutely not. No? No. I mean, in the beginning, maybe. But yeah. now but now knowing what I know, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this makes Alice really jealous. So she puts on a Halloween mask and frightens Mrs. Tredoni, to which she says, Oh, you nasty child, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> so the video nasties. Yes, I understand yeah. it now. <laughs> um, this is... Hi, Camp. Mrs. Trudoni being scared. <laughs> um, it, it is Wait, strange. A, I want to put a pin in her, like the largest pin in her. Because <laughs> after watching the movie, I had a 
conversation with my invisible friends that I watched it with. And I was, I, I need, I need you guys to help me out with something. So, but I don't want to ruin it because we got to get to the, the reveals and everything. Yeah, let's just say I think that scare was her origin story. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. Well, I have I have a theory that'll blow your socks off. Let's okay, okay. I um, loved Catherine doing her best RuPaul impression. Catherine? <laughs> yeah, she's like, take that thing off your face. <laughs> I'd like to keep it on, please. Uh, Catherine's already slaying. She is. I mean, every, every, every single scene. every single moment... And Catherine is, she's got a full face of makeup. Yeah, even her when her daughter dies. <laughs> she's serving an outfit. Yeah. E- even if it's, you know, a Christian style outfit. <laughs> and, we're, and we're already getting the dynamics of this family. You know, we've got uh, Alice, who's apparently the rambunctious rebel, because uh, she's a teenager, basically. So her home, I mean, there could be an argument that her home hormones are out of whack uh, because it's like, oh my God, what are all these things that are happening? And what's my body going on? Because uh, later they make emphasis on the fact that she's had her period. Yeah. So, uh, and then we got the mom who clearly favors Karen because Karen is the good little girl in theory. And then we get Brooke Shields who is, you know, as you said, bad actor and annoying daughter yeah the <laughs> knowing sister i should say yeah well, Catherine's a single mom who works two jobs she has <laughs> kids and, and never stops but she's a survivor she, she is but well, she is yeah she's my final girl um alice steals karen's uh porcelain doll so karen follows her on a bike to an abandoned warehouse Alice scares her whilst wearing a mask on a mask uh, the other one underneath being an old lady mask and uh, threatens her that if she tells anyone, she won't see her doll again. So this is the scene that was included in the 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Uh, at number 89. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I need to see this film. Would you say that's the scariest scene of the film, though? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it's the nastiest, but we have a category for that. So I won't say what that is. Um, but I'd say it's the creepiest, just because of the mask under the mask. Like, it really took me by surprise when I watched it. I feel... Do you feel that that's also maybe a little of a point towards the twist? It under is, the yeah, mask that's, that's true. It's an older that's lady true. mask. Yeah. And our killer is revealed to be an older lady. Yeah. Because you get that with Shallows. Yeah. A lot of them. You go, you watch it again and you see a little thing mm-hmm. that's sort of like, oh, yeah, a little hint. I also think this is the scene that understandably confused John and the scene that really tries to be Don't Look Now. <laughs> and yeah. as it's one of your favourite films. Uh, so well, you should... Don't Look Now is absolutely one so of So would you agree that this is definitely, definitely that chase scene? The chokehold that those Max had on little kids <laughs> throughout the 70s and apparently 1961 as well. masks in this movie are, are terrifying. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah, you look back and you see, like, creepy dolls and shit from the 60s and 70s, and you're like, how was this in everyone's home? Like, like how did was this mask the most popular thing sold in Patterson, New Jersey in 1961? Honestly... It's the most popular thing to be sold in the UK. Like, you go into many shops here and buy this mask. 
And I definitely have a clue that it's from Alice Sweet Alice. Well, it's it's translucent. Yeah. But with like a full face of makeup. Yeah. So yeah, like blusher, kind of shadow, and kind of a sleigh, really. When you think and, about it, yeah. And but like it messes with your perception of the person's face because it is clear, but they have it so that like the cheeks are obviously like set in a way, and you know the lips are a certain shape. So it, I could be wearing it, and you, you, my face looks different because of the mask, and so, I mean this. This movie did a great job doing that because, like, obviously, we're we're supposed to think it's this one. Uh, the killer is one person, uh, and then there's a twist. Yeah. Um, I actually, that we already I mean, spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> as you said, Christian, I think the the raincoats as well. They were big yeah, sellers. They were very big popular. sellers in the uh, very, that big sellers. Would you call well, it a raincoat a Mac? Would you call it a Mac or an anorak? Not sure. A raincoat. Let's just say raincoat. Yeah. <laughs> but it only raining in one scene. <laughs> well, so the and, but can I jump to the end for a hot second? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Since we're, since we're talking about raincoats, at the very end, like when we're in the church, uh, before like you know, um, everything, you just see a a sea of yellow raincoats on girls and women. Yeah. So it is popular and it is very interesting because you go, so is she really the only killer? Um, yeah, I've I've got a theory at the end, but it says Saint Michael's on one of the coats. So the, the oh, coat okay. that um Mrs. What's her name? Mrs. Dory. Yeah. The one that she has Saint says Saint Michael's. So I don't know if it's just a coat that's given out at the school. Got it, but it but it made you but it made me wonder, you know, this there's multiple people. Yeah, very popular. And they're saying that the the mask that's used is also very popular. So it was so it it although we know who the killer is at that point, uh, it it also casts a little bit of doubt for me. Yeah, yeah, because we get a sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge moment at the end. Yeah. That may suggest all is not neatly tied up. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, Alice steals Karen's veil and uh, continues to be a little brat. And she also crosses paths with their landlord, the perverted Mr. Alfonso, who asks her to go to the shop for him because he's not very well and calls her a little bitch when she refuses to go. Um, Mr. Alfonso, they really wanted to make this film gritty and uncomfortable. And I think that definitely shows in his character. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I was just like, you are clearly a gay man. Yeah. Yeah. For and me, it kind of seems like he's straight out of a John Waters film. Yeah. I yes. think you could take that character and put him in yeah. something like oh, Female definitely. Trouble. It yeah. would fit perfectly. And it, it's kind of interesting that they that everything I see written about Mr. Alfonso, they always use a descriptor pedophile. And I was like, but this is kind of going with how gays are represented even to this day that we are pedophiles and we're not like we're we don't want to we don't want to sleep with children. And so to me, I was I, I was just like, well, he has that one weird moment, but it doesn't. He doesn't do anything really sexual. Like, 
And then that weird moment, you can argue that he's just being a camp queen. Yeah, I don't know, because there's like little things where he mentions, he kind of alludes to finding Karen attractive um, during one scene. And the descriptions online very much say that he's trying to molest her during that scene later on. Yeah, it's it's probably where I'm most confused writing-wise. It's Yeah. What is this character meant to I'm be? I'm glad it didn't state his sexuality. Yes. Because then that would have been a bigger problem. And Yeah. We, right, we, but I, I'm listening to his voice and yeah, I, I definitely yeah. yeah. I have gay voice and I'm like, you sir have definitely have gay voice. So yeah. it's not and he calls himself mummy yeah. when he's talking yes. to his cats. Yeah. And well, was, he has what looks like a portrait of Betty Davis in uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. Painted on his wall. And then he listens to opera, so he's a cultured man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could uh, could be a little iffy. Um, which, again, leads me to question about Alfred's soul and whether or not he was gay himself. Because I kind of feel like if he was, he wouldn't want to go down that route. Mm, you know? True. So that if any of our listeners know the sexuality of uh, of Alfred Soul, please let us. Finding this guy in a gay bar, come on. <laughs> uh, on the day of her first communion, Karen is strangled to death in the church transept by a person wearing a Halloween mask and a yellow raincoat. Her crucifix is ripped from her neck, and her body is set on fire. Genuinely, really shocked me the first time I watched this because I mean, obviously, because yeah. I knew who Brooke Shields was. But it's just kind of like, fuck, I, where has that come from? Like, this is brutal. What a brutal way to go for a child in a horror film. It's And, and like, I know we said that she's annoying, but that's, that's rough. <laughs> that's yeah. extreme. Yeah. Um, and then makes the horrific discovery, disrupting the communion ceremony, and Aunt Ali De Lorenze, Catherine's sister, another queen, it runs in the family. She's like, she's dead. Karen's dead. And it is so camp, so over the top. God, and it kind of <laughs> takes you out of the moment kind of a little bit. Because you're like, oh, this is really shocking. And you're like, okay, but this is... That woman, that woman was playing for the back of the house. She like, did. She, yeah, she brought ham sandwiches for lunch. She is... <laughs> and not just the back of the house, but the people across the street in a, in a yeah. crowded bar <laughs> that is very loud. Like, that's what, that's the level she was at yeah and then when they're on the way to the funeral she gets another great scene where Catherine's breaking down outside to her ex-husband and uh annie just sticks her head out the car she's like i don't want to rush you but mass begins at nine (laughs) (sighs) and i just like i'm I'm on i don't know i'm on annie's side i mean not so much to rush into mass thing but the way she's got no patience for anything and she hates kids and it's like you know what queen yeah, but doesn't she have? Life. She has. She, it says she does she have kids. kids. Yeah. I think she just hates Alice, and that's what. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, because because she has. It, who is the? Is it Angela? Is that the yeah, name? Yeah, daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that the thought that the dad, uh, is trying to meet up with later. Okay. Yeah. The one Again, he... names in, in this movie yeah. and I are not friends. I mean, you did a better Alice job. As well. <laughs> you did a better job than me on remembering that one. I, <laughs> I couldn't remember her kids' names, but uh, yeah. 
Besides, I mean, obviously, besides Alice, because they say yeah. that every other line. So. Yeah, they do. <laughs> After Karen's funeral, Catherine asks Alice to take some cake to Mr. Alfonso, and he tells her he's disappointed that Karen was the one to die because she was the cuter one. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He says, uh, I heard everyone leave. It's all over her. Well, you die, and then you put you in the ground. Such a shame. Such a pretty little girl, too. Too bad she was the one to end up in the box. I mean, I agree with you. I'd have rather Alice went, but... You know. <laughs> Thank you, River, for me. Such a lovely lady. God always takes the pretty one. <laughs> Which I think is dialogue straight out of, again, whatever happened to Baby Jane. I could imagine Betty Davis turning to someone and saying, ah, well, you live, you die. You always take the pretty ones first. But I can also picture Divine saying it as well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, she probably Catherine... did. Yeah, <laughs> she probably she did. did. She probably did. <laughs> Catherine's ex-husband, um, the hunky in a 70s way, Dominic, begins to investigate her murder independently whilst Detective Spina handles the case formally. Um, the police aren't very sympathetic. Are they? No. <laughs> like, they wonder why Dominic would suggest Catherine and Alice may need a little bit of protection <laughs> after the, the, the daughter's been killed. Just set on set fire on in fire. church. <laughs> they, they also, it also feels like everyone's convinced it's Alice. Yeah. And, like, whatever happened to Innocent Until Proven Guilty? Yeah. It, with the police, because there's a little part earlier where they actually also suspect Alfonso simply because he's a bit weird. Yes. Rather than having yeah. any evidence to yeah. suggest that he was anywhere near that church, as a quite a large man, people would have seen him go in yeah. and out of the church at some and point. Slightly agoraphobic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he never leaves his uh, apartment. Yeah, um, and also true to life. I mean, let's face it, it's not unrealistic to think the police would suspect him. Just for the very oh, reason. of course, yeah, yeah. Um, famously, there was a case here in the UK where this guy was completely slaughtered by the media, by the police, everyone, just because he, he was a little eccentric and he had absolutely nothing yeah. to do with it whatsoever and, and never got a formal apology from anyone. So it's... Yeah, it's definitely the weird neighbor is definitely going to be suspect number one in any yep. case. Ever. So, are you this is you two apologizing on behalf of everyone? And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who this man is. If I met him, I'd say, Yeah, I apologize on <laughs> behalf. And then, he, and then he goes home to the bodies he's got in his basement. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> I got yeah. away with it. Yeah, I know. I'd be next on his list. Fooled him again. Uh, and he moves in to help Catherine, uh, though. She obviously despises Alice. Uh, Catherine sends Alice to deliver a rent check to Mr. Alfonso. And this is a scene where he attempts to, I mean, depending on how you look at it, he attempts to molest her. So she yeah. kills his cat. Yeah, yeah. She, One of them. Yeah, he definitely grabs her. She actually killed the cat. I wasn't yeah. going to kill the cat. Yeah. Okay, I'm so, I, I was, I, I kind of was in and out with this movie. But I was <laughs> like, also, like the this is just because it's from the seventies. The quality of the film was not yeah. the best. Yeah, so that's where that... I'm just like, who's who? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously it's had uh, the 
1080p HD transfer, but it actually has that grainy look to it still. It still looks really, really 70s. Yeah. Which I think adds to it. I think it adds to the charm of... Because I, I love shit like that. Um, being a transfer nerd, like I am. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, she, she does kill the cat. And you only know because of a bit of throwaway dialogue. So when she leaves the apartment, you can hear him in the background, like, you killed my cat. Yeah. You killed okay. my cat. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this scene because it does kind of, I don't know. It's just, bit, yeah. I, I, I do think it's a, sort of came to be a quite a slasher film cliche. Yeah. Where you just have this really creepy guy who's a red herring. Okay. But also not a red herring because we absolutely know yeah, that it wasn't him, him at the beginning because... The outfit, we saw the murder, we saw the outfit, we know a thousand percent it's not him. Yeah. He's sort of played as a red herring and almost, I thought, at times, a comedic effect. I mean, this as- is also a trope that later in sla- the slasher genre where, like, you have to not like the victim. Yeah. 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 So him, like doing that and then obviously with the gay undertones uh the audience is not supposed to like him so but i also thought earlier there's a scene where he pretends to be ill so that alice will go to the shops for him and he's like oh oh, i can't i'm I'm not feeling right i thought that was played for laughs so it's a confusing character like is he comedic relief or is he just a sleazeball that we can't yeah. wait to be murdered by the end of the film? Or both. both. Why not yeah, both, both really. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, oh, who was, what film? Child's Play. The remake. The remake, yeah. I feel like does a very similar thing Saw with four. The Neighbour. Yeah, Saw 4 also does something similar. Yeah. With a very similar looking man. They, they've they've got a, definitely got a do. certain description yeah. of what these filmmakers want this characters to look like. A lot of Jello films do as well. Yeah. Overweight yeah. man, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How terrible. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> Must be the killer. <laughs> Oh, did you hide those bodies? By the way? <laughs> Guys, not on the Skype call. Uh, Annie is, uh, poor thing, Annie is attacked by a masked figure in a yellow raincoat. They continuously stab at her leg until Mr. Alfonso and Catherine come out of their rooms and uh, the figure runs away. Annie fucking milks this for everything she's got she melodramatically crawls outside into the rain she's screaming to the air and i am living for it it is a great visual and again she is so fucking camp i just I, I just needed more dead she doesn't die she doesn't she die, doesn't die. <laughs> no. god damn it she was one character that I was like oh she lives <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to be happy with my biggest queen later on. Um, she's taken to hospital. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I I understand as as a, as the queen and everything, but I'm just like, God, like the the dialogue that she has is just so spiteful and so like yeah. vicious and everything. And she's she must be the older sister out of the two of them. She yeah. likes to tell people what, what suggest 
what people should <laughs> do for the best. Um, but I, I love this scene. I love how melodramatic it is. It's it's what I love about these kind of films, about slashers and giallos, is that you have, you know, these build-up moments that, okay, um, they're all right, they're good, and we get nice character development and all that business. But when it's really melodramatic, really over mm. the top, and she's screaming in the rain, I, I love it. I love, I love that shit. Yeah. And you get quite a few moments like that in this film mm-hmm. um, that I... I'm not sure if they're meant to be, but they kind of make me giggle. So they're yeah. a little comedic, to be fair. Um, she's taken to hospital and claims that Alice tried to kill her in a very melodramatic way, unsurprisingly. Um, this whole back and forth in the hospital is just very entertaining between her and Catherine, just screaming at each other. Catherine is a selfish bitch. She is. I'll say it. But she's still serving. Oh, of course. <laughs> but but also, the... the... The aunt sister, I I forget her name already. Like, she doesn't say the person was wearing a mask. No. She just automatically assumes that it was Alice. Because, like, I get it that we've established that Alice has the mask and the raincoat and everything. But, like, so does everyone fucking else in this town. So That's true. That's true. Uh, it's definitely an excuse for her to continue with her vendetta against uh, Alice. Yeah, and um, spoiler alert for my opinions on the ending of the film, I actually do think this is Alice. Yeah? I genuinely believe that this was Alice. Alice was the one that stabbed Annie in the legs. Okay. I don't. No? No. But I do I... think Alice did something. And I'll okay. Do, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to, come on, I don't want to, I, I need some air of mystery, come on. Yeah, yeah. We need a reason for people not to switch off. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> After these words. Alice is sent to a psychiatric institution for evaluation. Uh, she has a lie detector test before this, and she says Karen stabbed Annie, and the machine says that she's telling the truth. And then she destroys the machine. And then she destroys yeah. the machine, Yeah. <laughs> Just to add to her being more of a brat, she has to destroy the machine as well. Yeah. Well, she and is not the father, <laughs> which is which is interesting because, like, they don't the to go back to what we were saying about the cops. Like, the person giving the test is like she believes that she. I mean, she's telling the truth when she says that uh, Karen is the killer, and so the cops are like, "Yeah, fuck that. We're just going to book her. She's did it." Yeah. <laughs> Well, Karen's dead, so... Right, but, like, you yeah. know, that's... So that's they send it. her to the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Right, they don't they don't arrest her, but they send her to the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Where she's... They, it seems like she she's... truly believes a ghost is going around <laughs> how, stabbing people. How much time passes in this movie, by the way? Is it a week? I feel like this has been a few days. <laughs> people get over things very quickly. Because, like, that funeral is really fast, that. Yeah. yeah. And then everything else. But, oh my God. Because there was a scene where Catherine says, everything's going to be fine. (laughs) No, it's not. You haven't caught the murderer yet. Either one of you could be next on the list. Uh, Dominic receives an hysterical phone call from someone claiming to be Annie's daughter, Angela, saying that she has Karen's crucifix. And it's hilarious because this is blatantly an older lady putting on a voice as a child. And Dominic's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely you. It's definitely you. What? I don't know what you're talking about, Gary. 
Could anything be more Italian giallo film than an older woman? I mean, let's face it, it could be Alice. Uh, Dominic agrees to meet her at an abandoned building because it's not sketchy. Oh, at all. yeah. Once uh, there, the figure stabs him before binding him with rope. Dominic sees that the killer is, in fact, Mrs. Tredoni. Oh. And immediately, dun, dun, dun. this just became a hagsploitation film. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I've never heard that term before. It's. I, it's a term that covers a lot of very entertaining camp films. Like, I highly recommend yes. going through some. <laughs> um, Hagsploitation essentially means that the greatest horror in Hollywood history <laughs> is an aging woman. And when, you know, John Wayne's still winning Oscars in his 60s and 70s, uh, female classical film actresses like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford had to do cheapo horror films to pay the rent. Um, and the results are absolutely incredible. And I would watch any of them over True Grit any day. Um, but exploitation is a slightly offensive term. <laughs> yes. So this nasty November, we bring you the nastiest thing of all. Misogyny in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> but we say it with love in our hearts. <laughs> Thank you for the misogyny. It brings plenty of entertaining films. Now treat women better, please. Yeah. God damn, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, she takes off her mask for a big reveal. The big reveal. And she chastises Dominic and Catherine as sinners because of their premarital sex and divorce. Mm -hmm. And in a disgusting scene, uh, she bashes in Dominic's teeth with a shoe. And... He bites her crucifix, uh, he bites Karen's crucifix off Mrs. Tredoni's neck and she pushes him out of a window to his death. Um, and Catherine, after this, goes to visit Father Tom. But I feel like that scene is the reason this is a video nasty. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the scene they watched. Um, they followed it through the film. They found something. Oh, this is the one. This will do. And see, uh, I thought it was Karen's death that would have been the video nasty. I, yeah, I think if there's another one, I think it definitely would be that one because it's a child and again, the religious aspects. Um, but if they were going for all out gore, this is definitely yes. going to be on their radar. Um, I also I also really appreciated this scene because like you see the killer struggle to move the body. Yeah, body. yeah. And so like it got me thinking of like, I get it that like Michael and Jason are supernatural strong men and everything reanimated corpses or whatever but like in, in like scream or other movies where it's like a human that is the killer um you don't really see them struggle when they like all of a sudden have them have them all set up in a couch as if it's a like for for like a, a diorama or something yeah i mean we've seen first friday the 13th Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, when you think back to Pamela Voorhees and that, I mean, come on. <laughs> Hanging up corpses here, there, and everywhere, throwing them through windows, yeah. you know? But then, so, to see something like this, um, where it's an old lady killer, and she is genuinely struggling to roll his body, it's like, that is actually really refreshing, yeah. But we see we see the struggle twice. We see it with yeah. him, and we see it with Karen. So, at least, you know, there's a little... That little detail is just, like, 
interesting and made it a little more human than yeah, no, absolutely some other movies. Yeah. So Catherine goes to visit Father Tom. He's not home, but Mrs. Tredoni invites her in. She explains that when her own daughter died on the first on the day of her first communion, she realized that children are punished for their parents' sins. In her grief and madness, she devotes herself to the church. Father Tom arrives and tells Catherine that Dom has died, and Mrs. Tredoni wipes the blood from the fish's curtain over her apron in a very camp way with an evil smile. And it's kind of like, at this point, I'm like, did the filmmakers of Friday the 13th watch this? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this film's had more influence on other films than, you know, we'd give it credit for. Maybe. Because, I mean, that's very close. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this because we're yeah. not at, we're at the tail end of the film, but we're not at the very end. Mm. There's so, still like another 30 minutes left. At yeah. The yeah. Point. So we know the killer and I quite like that. It's not the big reveal and then she gets killed or, or whatnot. It's the big reveal. We're like, oh my God, you know, what's she going to do next? Mm. And it's that suspense and that you I also like. You also glossed over a scene that I, I actually really appreciated was when she, after she killed Dominic, she was in the confession booth getting out of her yeah. murder costume. And she she uh, she tries to give confession and you can tell that she wants to tell the father who I think she wants to fuck. I'm not really sure on that. That was, that was yeah. where I was like, what's going on here with your reveal, with your story? But it was very... Again, it made it very human. It made it very interesting where you're like, oh, my God, like you. Yeah, uh, obviously you're wearing, you know, uh, your own slasher costume. But like to all of a sudden put on your human face. Yeah, is very, it was very it was very it was very fascinating for this wild trash movie. It's not I don't I'm not calling it trash, but like, you know, like the acting is over the top, and some of the dialogue is very questionable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, during Dominic's autopsy, the pathologist finds Karen's crucifix in his mouth, and Alice is eliminated as a suspect. So Father Tom and Catherine go and get her from the institution, whilst uh, Mrs. Tredoni sneaks into Catherine's apartment building. Now, after this, uh, Mr. Alfonso wakes up screaming because Alice mischievously uh, pay, uh, placed a jar of cockroaches on him whilst he slept. Like, she's unstoppable. They should have just left her in the asylum. Like, should've. she's awful. A little sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Little, I mean, she probably should have been killed. Um, Can we talk about Catherine's outfit? that she wore to go <laughs> collect Alice from the institution. Just this one. <laughs> this one in particular, because number one, why is she so dressed up to collect her <laughs> from the institution? She's turning looks. She has a black veil, a white dress, black gloves. The dress has like a, a thick black stripe across the yeah. shoulder. It's very, almost like a mod style dress. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she'd just been to Dominic's funeral <laughs> and was collect. Maybe I feel like a scene has been cut from where she actually wore that outfit because it's a, I mean, it's a serve, mm. but not quite what you would wear to collect your daughter 
from a mental institution. Hey, if she wants to be cunty whilst collecting her daughter, then let her be. Yeah, but then, but then Alice is like, oh, you know, where's my dad? Oh, he's gone. He's gone home. Like, <laughs> you kind of look like you're dressed for a funeral. Just tell her that he's dead. <laughs> but I'm living for it. I'm Here's living for funeral. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because no. she's what? the ex-wife. She is. <laughs> she's giving Crystal Carrington the house down boots. Wearing her. Um, Mr. Alfonso encounters Mrs. Tredoni in the staircase and mistakes her for Alice. Understandable means you know, Alice is played by a full-grown adult, so of course she's gonna think. <laughs> they are also two different sizes. They're like different different heights. Yeah. Um, when he shoves her against the wall and snatches her mask, she stabs him to death and flees. Detective Spina witnesses her running out maskless and arrives to save uh, Mr. Alfonso, but he's too late. So That was, a, that was another one where somebody's crawling away, screaming, yeah. but instead <laughs> dies. Yeah. Uh, and then we're given our big finale. So Mrs. Tredoni rushes to the church where the police are stationed. During mass, Father Tom denies Mrs. Tredoni communion. And uh, can we just talk about how Catherine was serving yet again whilst waiting for a communion? Yeah, much to Mrs. Tredoni's displeasure, <laughs> because as Father Tom denies her communion, she gets up, points at Catherine and says, but you give it to the whore. <laughs> In the middle of everybody, yeah, it's like full volume, and everyone clutches their pearls, going, "Oh, oh, word, <laughs> oh my, oh fiddle dee dee." God, uh, she stabs Father Tom in the throat as the police rush in, and whilst Father Tom, <laughs> no bleeds, one else fucking rushes, yeah, no in. one cares, everyone, everyone else just watches, is, just watches. But. But also, Father Tom sealed his fate because the cop was like, I want a sniper on the yeah. balcony. And he's like, fuck that. This is my church. Yeah. We're going to do it my way. Let's do it peacefully. And then he gets stabbed in the neck. And quite a brutal scene, too. Yeah. Because she's, like, hugging him afterwards. And his blood is, like, pouring out of his neck. On yeah. Coat. And I was like, okay, you did, a, you did something right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, whilst he bleeds to death, Alice walks out of the church with Mrs. Tredoni's shopping bag and places the bloodstained butcher knife into it. And she then stares at the screen whilst the end credits roll. And that's Alice Sweet Alice. And now, if we could have both of your theories, please. Yes. You want to go first? Or you want me to go I'll first? first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Well, I hinted at it earlier. I think that Alice used the killing of Karen to attack Annie. Because mm. I don't think there was any reason for Mrs. Tredoni to actually attack Annie. She didn't know her. Yeah. There, there was no reason. She was she was um, getting God's revenge or whatever she was trying to do against those that have sinned. But she didn't know Annie from anyone on the street. That's true. So why would she attack Annie and, and not anyone else? And I think Alice attacked Annie but deliberately not to kill her mm -hmm. because I don't think Alice really was that far gone in because I think she is a character that is insane by the end of the film 
but she wasn't that far gone to actually commit full-on murder. So she just attacked Annie because she hated her. And see, I thought Alice killed her sister. And that triggered Mrs. Stradoni because she says, they made a point of her saying her daughter died on the day she was supposed to receive communion. And I thought, like, um, that that's why Alice killed her. And, like, the struggle felt a little more like it was a fellow child dragging the body rather than Mrs. Tredoni. Because also, why would Mrs. Tredoni kill Karen? That's true. As a punishment for the parents, because she said the children get punished for the parents' misdeeds. Right, but Karen is not the one out of wedlock. Alice is the one. Mm. So and I, I, so we're both in agreement that Alice did something. Had to have yes, done Alice definitely yeah. did, and I think that's hinted at at the end. I slash they maybe wanted a sequel. Plus, yeah. also the cockroach moment. I was, I was like, Alice, you little sociopath, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then my, I thought that Mrs. Tredoni thought that aunt, the aunt was the mom. Like leaving the apartment, so oh, that's why she stabbed her, and then realized, yeah. going, "Oopsie," but I, I see your point too, where you know, and the movie does this deliberately, where they're causing doubt on Alice, so we don't actually see her like where she is before Karen dies. We don't, we don't really see her in the basement when uh, Annie got attacked. So we just hear about it. Yeah. yeah, I actually, I mean, I didn't have my own theory, so I'm going to say I think it could possibly be both. Mm. I think it could be both of those, and I'm actually a little disappointed we didn't get a uh, sequel to confirm that, because that's uh, really good. Yeah, never occurred to me before, but thinking about it now, yeah, that would, they would both make a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't think we need a sequel. I think we just need like 10 extra minutes in this movie. Well, I'll have you know, apparently... According to uh, IMDb, they are remaking this. Of course they are. They were trying, weren't they? Um, I think it's taking a long time to get the funding. Yeah, it's in development. Mm. um, Directed by Dante Tomaselli. Uh, It hasn't really done much of no. He actually looks like he's a composer, mostly. Um, But, yeah, I... could we go through the requel route? Could we have uh, Alice as the killer, the old lady killer in this one? I would fully be here for that. <laughs> I think what we need to do is have an interview or find an interview with Alfred Soule that asks, what does the ending mean? And yeah. what were you doing in a gay bar in 1976? <laughs> and then it'll answer all our questions. A word, a word. But that is Alice Sweet Alice, and I think it is a solid... 70s horror gem yeah i i think it's a great horror film i think it's very interesting um i like that it's about the dangers of organized religion and having children so two things i feel very strongly about Uh (laughs) i just i think it's i think it's an interesting film because it seems very human yeah it's it seems very like like an episode of S- Law and Order SVU or something like that, where it it's not some 
it's a weird revenge plot, but like I don't understand why she's seeking revenge on this one family. Because they're the sinners, but like everyone's a sinner. Let's be real here. There is no such thing as a, a non-sinner in this and that and anywhere, even in 1960s Patterson, New Jersey. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, like, no. and Mrs. Trudoni is like committing the ultimate sin, which is ironic on so many levels, and potentially Alice, as we yes. have discussed. Yes. Yeah, I think it, it, it's of the obvious hypocrisy of um, those who believe they can judge what is good and bad, um, committing bad acts against people in the name, in the name of, of what of they think is good. Yes. yes. Hello, Crusades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very interesting, and it's not something you always get from what may have been a throwaway slasher film yeah. from the mid-70s. It's got... As I like to say on the podcast, it's got many layers to it, mm. and I appreciate that. I like the fact that we can sit here and discuss a film, discuss the themes of a film, and have our own interpretations, because it means we've really digested a film. It mm. really digested, and I wasn't expecting to have a full meal. Yeah, but it was just a little snack, little, little, also, little bite to it, eat. It also feels like the film just it didn't it didn't feel like they thought it through mm-hmm. enough because all of mm-hmm. a sudden it's revealed that it's Mrs. Tredoni and you're like okay <laughs> and <laughs> and then yeah, I... and then we have these theories and questions uh like why Karen why the aunt why this why that and you're like and like it makes sense for the dad because the dad is a, is a, is she says a sinner. Um, she doesn't want him to take away the father who she wants to bang. Clearly, um, Mr. Alfonso was just a murder of convenience. And then I don't. Uh, I think it was just she was at the end. She was just so triggered that that's why she killed the father that she wants to fuck. Uh, father fuck, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, I, it's 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 an interesting movie, but it's also not at the same time. Would you have preferred more of Mrs. Tredoni before the reveal? Honestly, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was also just m- my viewing of it because I, um, I I was doing other things, so I wasn't really paying that mu- that much attention. But I I think I mean I bought it for five dollars. I'm probably gonna rewatch it at some point. So, it's yeah. a, I feel like it's also like a good, uh, if you're like for people who in October are watching all horror movies, I feel like this is a good one so you can see like a different side of horror. Yeah, I think this is, I, I'd say this is essential view for any horror fan. Um, I mean, as far as I know, it's quite obscure. I don't think many people know about it. Like, it's not always readily available to watch. But I think the thing with Mrs. Tredoni is, I think it's very much the case of they were good friends with Father Tom, so she knew about that family more. So when she was having the first communion, if she wants, if she was the one who did it, she's a little more invested in them, so that would be why she chose that family. She wanted the necklace as well. She, she, she was jealous necklace. of Karen yeah. getting 
Father Tom's necklace. Yeah. It was meant for her. Yeah, so I think she did want to fuck Father Tom. And I think... Definitely. Um, oh, definitely. Well, that may play a part in it. That, that monologue that she gives right before she kicks the dad out of the window. And it, it, she's she was just like, you're not taking him away from me. And you're like, okay, nobody was trying to, yeah. lady. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of prefer that she wasn't around much because I forgot she was in the film. So when I first watched it and that was a twist, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I, I forgot you existed. So when... it kind of added the element of surprise. When she took the mask off, I was just like, who are you again? Yeah, yeah. And then she opened her mouth and I went, ah, yes. I remember who you are now. Because she she wasn't, up until that point, she wasn't really that memorable to me. And that's why I'm glad we got so much of the film with her after the reveal. That's why I'm glad we have that. Because if it was literally just... um, the Mrs. Voorhees moment, because Mrs. Voorhees is a character we, we'd never, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Friday the 13th, uh, but Mrs. Voorhees, you've, you've had time. She's a character that we have never, we hadn't seen before. Mm. She is linked to the, the story of Jason. We'd never met her before. She comes out of nowhere. No one says a thing about Jason before that. No, you know, that's all revealed as soon as she's revealed. It's there, so. the, the the big. It's it's like Scooby Doo. It's yeah. like oh, it's the guy that we had one scene with yeah. at the very beginning. And some people like that, and some people don't. But I like I enjoyed the fact that we had more time afterwards, knowing she's the killer, where we can really take a look at. The, the suspense and the tension and um, without the red herring, without having to think it's Alice or think it's someone else and then have a killer on the loose um, story and narrative, which yeah. I changed it up a bit. Which I quite I appreciate. You, so you were saying that the, they're making a, a re, they're doing a remake of it. I yeah. honestly, let, let sleeping dogs lie. Like this movie is, it, it is what it is on its own merits. Create something different. Be inspired by this, but create something different. Like, don't remake this, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, obviously we all know the twist now as well, so they'd have to change it up or else it's just going to be the same thing. But but the thing about this movie is that since it's made in the 70s, there's a little more humanity to it and there's a little more, like, I mean, yes, these people are over the top and they're probably it's probably their only acting job or like their first acting job. But there's just something a little special about it, too. Yeah. So Yeah, no, I agree. You can't really recapture that exact tone that is captured at that time. Right. I don't think you could do New Jersey now. No. I think no. you'd have to choose another yeah. Housewives location. Maybe Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes work. sense. Orange County. They're quite religious. Yeah, there. Orange <laughs> County, maybe. Yeah. Atla- Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> oh, Cheshire. Just down the road from us, Cheshire. <laughs> is, that a, is that a, is that a Real is. Housewives location? Yeah, oh, yeah. Real Housewives. You know what? Let's bring Cheshire. Let's bring, you know, some the spotlight to Cheshire because nobody, <laughs> I haven't heard of that until you just said it. So I wasn't massively aware before the, the show. <laughs> Shall we give out some awards? Yeah, it's awards season. Yeah. So biggest, Yay! <laughs> biggest queen. I win for, oh, sorry. Biggest <laughs> queen. I mean, like I said earlier, kind of a spoiler. I've got to give it to Aunt Annie <laughs> Delaronze because, I mean, queen. 
I'm going to agree with you. As much as I didn't like her at some points, she was that scene in the hospital, the build up to her being to saying it, shouting it was Alice. Yeah. Like I was just like, milk it, get it for everything. Yeah. Get that screen time in the, the, the way her demeanor changes as well. When her husband shows up in the hospital room, I was just like, get it queen. Yeah. <laughs> I did go for Catherine who never let a tragedy get in the way of a serve. It's true. And whose face was beat to absolute perfection at all times. Yeah. And that that's a real queen in my eye. Um, biggest gasp, I have Alice removing her mask to reveal another mask in the warehouse, because I just remember that being the first image of the film that I saw that actually made me gasp. Karen's death. Yeah, yeah I agree. The fact yeah. the fact that because there there is I don't know if this rule is ri- actually written, but there's like a rule in Hollywood that like you never show a child get murdered on screen. Um, and th- I mean, I think th- this may have predated that, but that like the, the fact that you saw the struggle and then like, and then it turns, it turns and goes camp when the, sh- they light the candle and throw it into the, little chest or whatever that they threw uh, Karen's body in. And it was like, okay, that's, wow, you just went full hog. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it's the Brooke Shields element to it as well, where you assume Brooke Shields is going to be in the film much more than she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, that's a gasp. Uh, that uh, Best dialogue, I have, I don't want to rush you, but mass begins at nine, whilst Catherine's there breaking down. <laughs> Hmm. I honestly don't have a have one in mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I failed you on this on this award. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. <laughs> I just uh, I just went with uh, thank you, mother, for me. Such a lovely lady. God always takes the pretty ones. <laughs> uh, that's camp. I have Aunt Annie melodramatically telling Catherine that Karen's dead. Uh, Mr. Alfonso. Being mom, mommy feeding the cats. <laughs> I just went with Annie. Yeah, so just Annie, Aunt Annie. And finally, our specific category for Nasty November, nastiest moment. I've gone with shoe to the teeth. I, I'm torn between that and again Karen. You can give it a tie. I'm gonna give it a tie. I'm gonna make up for my for my lack of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Give this one a tie. And what's yours, Chris? Oh, the teeth. Definitely yeah. the teeth. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I, yeah, because that both of them are just violent. Yeah. So violent, and and one is like uh, a child is getting murdered, and we're watching it while mass is going on. Yeah. And and no, it's interesting because like. Uh, before, like right before that happened, all the kids that are receiving communion for the first time head out into the church to get communion, and then Karen is getting murdered in like wherever she is, and the uh, her mom is not like, "Where's my daughter?" <laughs> yeah, like there, there isn't like, "Huh, where's Karen?" She's a little flippant. She is <laughs> on a few occasions during the film. Uh, as for ratings, I give it eight of Mrs. Tradoni's delicious cookies out of ten. Um, I'm gonna give it 
six creepy horror masks out of ten. And I give it eight bright yellow raincoats on a sunny day out of ten. <laughs> um, masterpiece, trash, piece, trash, basic, or a camp or a bunch of fun. It's not really any of them, really. It's just really fucking good, I guess. Yeah. It's a good today's film. category. It's a good yeah. Film. It's a good. I mean, it's also interesting in terms of like film history where it lies because it is. Um, it it's before the boom of the slasher film, um, but like we there have been what are what is now known as slasher films since its inception, and like Chris said, this is before um, Black Christmas or right before like was this right before about, the, about the same, same time, time. yeah, same time. Christmas. And yeah. then Halloween, it's before it's definitely before Halloween, Halloween. yeah, and way before Friday the Thirteenth. So I feel like this one just gets shoved under the rug. Yeah. Um, because what I, I don't mm, I don't know if Black Christmas was like any better or worse than this one. Oh, so, Black Christmas is way better. Yeah, Black Christmas is. I have to, Black Christmas is one of our favorite. Yeah. I need I need <laughs> to well not. that I, I need to rewatch it because I I have the recent remake of it stuck in my head right now. So that one was hoof. <laughs> And... but this one is <laughs> this one is a, this i agree with you it's it's a it's a good it's uh available on blu-ray and video on demand for any of our listeners who want to check it out and if you enjoyed this i recommend checking out don't look now <laughs> obviously obviously <laughs> obviously I, I the one that i thought we were going to talk about yeah yeah, yeah. you would definitely recommend that <laughs> i would definitely recommend that um yeah, I mean we've uh, we've said other horror movies around this time that I would recommend as well. Yeah, yeah. I for me, I'd say if you enjoyed this, I'd recommend Deep Red. Or uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, classic. Argento, I actually get a teeth. Gialla. Yeah, I get a teeth scene you in that. Except with a teeth scene in this. You get yeah. a teeth scene in yeah. it. Um, I think Alice, sweet Alice, is right in the middle of Giallo and slasher. Yeah. Um, and so I, any classic Argento, Giallo, but particularly Deep Red, if you enjoyed Alice, Sweet Alice. Yeah. Uh, talk to us on social media. We're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. We're also Gas Power Festival across social media as well. Check us out is something I just told you to do, so I don't want Tanya to do that again. It's gonna sweat in this room. Just check, um, just check us out. Just, just check it out. out. Yeah. Just check um, them out, everyone. Check us yeah. out. Check Give us, out. us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Like a follow on everything else. John, thank you for joining us again. Would you like to tell our listeners uh, where to find you? Oh yeah. So Life's but a song is a podcast that you can listen to anywhere you're listening to this, and on all social media, I'm at, at but a song pod. Um, yeah. Where we talk about musical movies. Sometimes yeah. there's a horror, there's a horror musical, but you know, mu- musicals. <laughs> we we've discussed what films have we discussed with you on the Voyage podcast? of the Rock Aliens, Were the World Mine, and there was a third one that I Stardust Brothers. Stardust. Yes, Brothers. the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, and that one. Oh right, there was a fourth <laughs> one. 
Well, so I mean, I picked I picked bangers for you guys. Yes, <laughs> oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Next week, never we... an Oscar winner though, is no. it? Never an Oscar winner. In our minds, they are Oscar winners. <laughs> yeah. Next week, uh, we are back with another returning guest. We will be discussing Dawn of the Mummy uh, with our returning guest Xander from the uh, from the band Video X. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we've not watched it yet, but no, we, we've looks seen like the trailer, piece. and it looks like our kind of thing. Yeah, very excited. That sounds so camp, and I'm really, yeah. I'm really happy for you two to watch that. YouTube the trailer, <laughs> yeah, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Dawn of the Mummy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll be back. So it's interesting. <laughs> sorry to, sorry to keep going, but it's interesting that on your list of video nasties, like. What are now considered cult classics are on there. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone is still like me that doesn't know exactly what a video nasty is, just like take a look at a list somewhere and you're like, oh my God, these movies are amazing. <laughs> yeah. They, they are for some of them are, but there are, is a lot. We were going to make our way through all of them, uh, but we got to the, there's a lot of Nazi exploitation films on there. And we were well, just, yeah. No, life's too short. Yeah, life's too short. I, 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 you know, there's a few boxes we want to tick, but that one can, you know, stay unticked. Yeah. We don't have to watch every video nasty. Yeah, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.